Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love The Real Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode. This one is really fun. I am talking today to the podcaster and writer, Molly Mulshine, who has a podcast of her own called Space Trash, where celebrity culture is analysed kind of through an astrological lens. So today we do get into some astrology around Housewives, which... I get that that's not for everybody, but I just think it's kind of fitting because we're in Virgo season. It's my birthday this week, so I'm obviously a Virgo. So I've been kind of thinking about, you know, how do we relate to sort of the idea of what our star sign represents with our personality, like all with a pinch of salt and a good fun. But I think this is a really fun conversation about kind of the sort of personalities we see on reality TV as reflected through the star sign. So that comes up and we go deep on... Real Housewives in New Jersey, which we haven't really done a deep dive on ever on the show, I don't think, in this way. So we're excited to kind of get into that. And we talk quite a bit about New York, this kind of slightly disappointing current season, the sort of history of it. And Molly has had some amazing run-ins with mainly the New York ladies uh, when she was living in New York and working as a writer and stuff. So there's some great stories in this one, plus some astrological moments that I personally, as a big old Virgo, found very interesting. So, without any further ado, here is Molly Mulshine on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a writer and comedian. She has written for Elle, Glamour and Business Insider. And she is one of the hosts of the podcast, Space Trash, Lifestyles of the Rich and Uranus, which is probably the best podcast title I've heard in a while. Molly Mulshine, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you so much, Connor. Thank you for having me. I am so excited I got the call. As we were talking, you recently visited Ireland. So like, I feel like you've probably got a kinship with our fair isle now. Yes. Oh my God. Well, I always have because I am what I think you guys refer to not so lovingly as a plastic patty. So my, <laughs> yes, uh, sometimes. my my family is mostly Irish, except my one grandparent is Polish and my fiance is Irish. So, you know, I'm American, obviously, as you can tell from my stunning Valley Girl accent. <laughs> I love it. I think you sound great. <laughs> Thank you. I feel, I, well, whenever I'm in the UK and Ireland, it really is like my voice is like a bullhorn. It just travels in a way that like, British and Irish people's voices don't. And I'm very aware of it. So I always feel like I have to apologize. But yeah, so I I love Ireland. I love Irish people. I hang out with like exclusively Irish people. Okay, well, I mean, Real Housewives is not the most Irish thing. But today we're going to kind of focus on New York and New Jersey because I know they're your favorites. So how did you get into Housewives? What was your hook? (sighs) Okay, so I am going to confess to you that I was definitely a reality TV snob for a really long time, like most of my life. I, mm-hmm. I'm from the Jersey Shore, so when Jersey Shore came out, it was very like everyone in my area was very angry at this terrible portrayal of the region, but it was also hilarious, and I was like, I love this, and also so many people around here are exactly like this. Like, who are we kidding? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I that was my entry point, and then that was really the only thing I watched until Real Housewives of New Jersey came out. Because there was sort of this mini boom of New Jersey-centric <laughs> reality. Yeah, there shows. was. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when we I remember when we found out Real Housewives of New Jersey was happening, I was in college with my roommates at the time. And we went to Rutgers, which is the school that Gia Giudice now attends. And <gasps> we were so excited to see that this was coming. And we were reading about it in the Star-Ledger, which is like the Jersey paper. My dad actually works there. And 
they had this really thinly veiled paragraph about the mob ties of the show. <laughs> oh my God. And it was like, <laughs> Caroline and Dina's father-in-law, Tiny Manzo, was an enforcer for the whatever crime family and ran a restaurant and the sons have now taken over the family business. So I was like, okay, as a writer, I know exactly what that person was doing. They didn't specify which family business it was. Like it was both, you know, it's the brownstone mm-hmm. and like kneecapping people, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like Wendy Williams style. Allegedly. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I have to watch this show. This is amazing. So we were we were in from day one. And then later when I moved to New York City, I started watching New York. And those have remained sort of my only ones because I get so obsessed with them that I I am like scared to start any other franchises because it just consumes me, you know? That's so funny because when I, you know, people may or may not have guessed this. When I ask people to come on the show, I usually say, hey, what cities do you watch? Oh, just the one that's cool. We'll focus on that. And when you said that to me about, in your email about, look, I can't commit to more housewives because it will take over my life. I appreciate that self-awareness <laughs> because I am noticed when I'm trying to get people into shows, they're like, what if it takes over my life? And I'm like, oh, well, it will. Like, that's just a given. <laughs> right. Like, I, throughout lockdown, I was only watch I did a full rewatch of New Jersey and then a full rewatch of New York and Connor I got so into it I was on these reddit threads like debating about all the women and like who's a bitch and who sucks and I it was like sun up to sundown I was like I had parasocial relationships with all of the real housewives from the shows I watched and I really had to sort of go cold turkey honestly the new seasons helped because both of those shows newest seasons I don't think have been that good so Oh, that's interesting. So you don't think the most recent New Jersey season was good? Because I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was a a kind of a return to form. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I just, I don't know. I'm not really that pulled into any of the drama that's been going on. I find, what's her name? Evan, the Evan cheating wife. Oh my God, why can't I remember? Oh, Jackie, Jackie. Jackie. I find Jackie really boring, even though I would probably be friends with her in real life. And the fact that so much of it revolved around that storyline, I was just like, oh my God, I don't care. Like I kind of wish they would go back to a time when the cast of New Jersey wasn't so self-aware because Mm -hmm. I really feel like in the early days of Jersey, none of them had a clue how they were being portrayed how they were going to come across. And there was no real like Machiavellian 3D chess going on. Whereas now it's like with Melissa, you can tell that like everything she does is like meticulously planned and focus grouped to keep her on the show. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of miss the days when this was a little more experimental and they were all just a little more psychotic, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, particularly it's funny you're saying that because – as you probably noticed in the last year or so, like a lot of people have gotten into Real Housewives, particularly on this side of the world where it's maybe not the first American reality show people think of to watch because it's been hard to find for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often suggest to people, if you're getting started, try Beverly Hills because the format is really polished by then or Salt Lake City is a recent one season you could try. And obviously New York is like an Atlanta iconic, but I've often suggested season one and two of New Jersey just because... It's so crazy and I always joke it's kind of like a limited series in that because Danielle leaves at the end of season two, it's sort of a complete-ish story that you could just watch those two seasons because you're right, those early days, they were going off. They were just going off. They were crazy and they, you know, with 
Teresa paying for $80,000 worth of furniture in cash and then the IRS arrests <laughs> them like three years later. It's like, that is absurd. I feel, well, it would go on today. Obviously, like she's the blueprint. Now there are so many other housewives who have legal trouble, but it's mm-hmm. just, you know, that that was truly a spectacular moment in time, I would say. You mentioned there, like going up in Jersey, that there was sort of this, on one level, a disdain for Jersey Shore. And like there was a Jersey boom that you mentioned, Jersey Licious. There was like another show that was like so Jersey or something. There was a few shows like that. Mm-hmm. Was it a thing of like, were like, do you think there was ever accuracy in how those shows portray Jersey? Maybe not like the visual stereotype or the drinking or the behavior, but like cultural things. Like, was that was there any accuracy in Housewives of New Jersey about what it's like there, or was yes. it fully like this is not like we're like at all? Oh my god, yes, it's uh, it's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, it's so. That's why I love the show so much and find it so comforting because, like, I'm not Italian, but you know, in New Jersey where I grew up, it's like you're either Irish or Italian. So like a lot of my friends are Italian and I'm very steeped in this Jersey sort of faux Italian culture. And it's sort of the way that everyone behaves there, not just, you know, it's 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 the whole region. It's, it's exactly like everybody. Like I, w- I would watch Real Housewives of New Jersey and be like, okay, I feel like I'm at my friend's house and her mom is making chicken parm and we're like talking shit. It's, it's just so similar to the way, you know, people actually just move around and talk and everything. Okay, well, so then it really is a documentary. Whatever people want to think, this show is accurate. Right, exactly. It's 100% accurate, truthful documentary. <laughs> and Jersey Shore too. Like there's, there's also a big... Uh, subculture of more like surfing and beach people at the Jersey Shore, which is what I would have more fallen into. But, you know, the quote unquote Guido culture was so huge at that time. It was enormous. And it was when I was in college and there was literally a Guido frat at my college. It was like, oh my God, it was a Guido (laughs) frat. It was called Zeta and it was older than the school. So they couldn't get rid of it. And it was literally all the guys in it were Guidos. So it was you know, it's real. And people were embarrassed that that was the show that was being being put on the air and like portraying the Jersey Shore that way. But it's like, well, you, it's those people are hilarious. Like all of those people that consider themselves Guidos are some of the funniest people you'll ever meet. So it's like, why wouldn't it be a TV show? You know, I have to ask then as well, because I've always been fascinated and horrified by the houses on Housewives in New Jersey. How accurate are those homes? I have to know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, like where I'm from, we don't have those because since I'm from the beach, the the houses are a lot smaller. But you will see Mm -hmm. in some of the towns, you'll see those McMansions on the beach. Um, Not a lot of towns have that because it's literally would be like $10 million. But yeah, when you go more inland, they have those McMansions everywhere. Yeah, it's just like house ever after house of McMansions. It's crazy. And and that like Tuscan cheesecake factory style decor w- was a cancer on New Jersey throughout all of the 2000s and 2010s. I think it's starting to turn a corner where people don't have like floor de lis on every single thing in their house. <laughs> but, you know, one thing, one thing that happens a lot in New Jersey that doesn't, ever get a lot of play on Real Housewives is a beach themed downstairs bathroom. This is just like a personal observation that I've had. <laughs> like everyone in New Jersey has a beach themed downstairs bathroom. Uh it I think my parents even have one. So that's also definitely like a Jersey trait, but you don't see it as much because I guess the nouveau riche ones aren't really like trying to do that. I don't know. 
I'm obsessed when you started saying the cheesecake factory thing and describing that decor. I could, I was having like that's so Raven style psychic visions of all the houses we've seen on. I was like, it's true. They do live like that. Oh my god. Oh, that's so funny. Um, are there any? Like New Jersey housewives then that are your favorites. I know you were kind of saying that Jackie's someone you'd be friends with in real life, but you kind of find her boring on the show. Like who are the ones that you've been drawn to over the years? I love Dina Manzo. Love her. Um, I wish she would be back. But I one of the things I love about her is that she doesn't really care. So like she clearly is like, well, I don't really give a shit. So, oh my God, actually, did you ever see her on the VH1 reality show, My Big Fat Fabulous Wedding, I think it was called. I haven't seen this, but I've heard of this. This is a show she did pre-Housewives yeah. that has been sort of cited in recent, like, because she was with her now ex-husband and there's been all this drama with them in the press and, and possible mob stuff. Is that, am I thinking the right way? Yeah, so everyone go to YouTube and type it in. There's definitely a bootleg version on there. It's, yeah, I last time I checked, there definitely was one and it, it is so wild and so funny and that apparently is what they built the show around like someone had seen that episode of her getting married and they were like oh this lady might be a good centerpiece for a show so I loved her I love Margaret um I didn't used to like Jennifer her first couple seasons but I'm Mm -hmm. starting to really love her and it looks like next season is going to be crazy with her and Bill all of the like gossip that's going around did you see that at all I, there's cheating rumors. Is that correct? Yeah. Like, well, but we're, is that the rumor we're getting? Not that it's a correct rumor. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying he cheated a long time ago and they worked through it and someone brought it up again on the show. So that's very interesting. I love them as a couple. They're so funny. Even though I, I don't like her whole – she's definitely a huge slut shamer and has a lot of like baggage around that. But I think that's partially yeah. just the way she was raised and, you know, she'll maybe she'll grow out of that at some point. Yeah, I mean her – Jennifer's sort of arc in the show is so interesting because in one way she's showcasing her family background which is quite specific and she's like challenged sort of some of the I guess outdated beliefs in her family but then sometimes she projects them onto the other women in a way that's like a bit jarring but it's all that's why I find New Jersey fascinating because they don't get into politics and I have a feeling a lot of them have probably quite conservative politics but like say Dolores in one way is like super traditional and comes from this very traditional Italian background and it's always like, we don't show emotion, we don't do this. But also her relationship status and her relationship with her ex is so modern to me. Like she doesn't need to get married. She's very close to her ex-husband. Like they're sort of both old school and new school at once. I don't know if it's just the women on the show. I don't know if that's a thing in New Jersey, but I've always been struck by that. Yeah, that's so true. I love Dolores too. I forgot about her. She is like such a good housewife. She just doesn't really create drama, but is still always so, like, welcome on your screen. Like, even though she doesn't yeah, move the story yeah. along, she's just a pleasure to watch. I don't know. I think it's just – I think that sort of mashup that you're talking about between what people say their values are and the way they actually live, I feel like it has more to just do with the fact that the values that a lot of us were brought up with are untenable in, like – these sort of smaller New Jersey Catholic communities, you know, like Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, like no one's parents were divorced because we went to, like I went to Catholic school and it was, there was just no one who was divorced. And then I went to public high school and I was like, Oh, like people's parents actually get divorced. I think it's, it's like a, you know, it's just like a thing where 
you have to talk the talk. And as long as you're doing that, you don't necessarily have to walk the walk. That's probably what it is. I don't know. Maybe that is a tip, a, a uniquely New Jersey thing. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a Catholic thing because it's like, we have all these crazy rules on us and yeah, we're not going to follow them. <laughs> It's weird though, yeah. As you're saying that, it makes me think of Ireland in a weird way because we're speaking generally, of course, but like, you know, there's a sentiment that Ireland is a predominantly Catholic country and that we've shaken off these kind of, I suppose, outdated beliefs, but we're still sort of, you can still see them in parts of our society. And weirdly, that feels not unlike New Jersey. So maybe I'm just, I don't know, I feel like we're having this very deep conversation, <laughs> but maybe I'm picking up on something culturally that I've experienced through these women. But yeah, like Dolores to me always exemplifies that. And you're right, she is, she's very charismatic, even as you say, when she doesn't have a whole lot going on. Yeah, she's great. And she's just so pretty. <laughs> you know, that doesn't I was just matter, gonna say, I just love she- her. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, and she's gorgeous. And I love, of all the housewives' makeovers and plastic surgery moments we've had in recent years, there was something about her being like, yeah, I got my ass and I got my tits and that. I was like, good for you. Yeah, I know. But also at the same time, I never would have, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter what I think about what anyone is doing with their body, but I just never would have even noticed or thought she needed it. I just always thought she looked so amazing. So it was, and it was cool to see her talk openly about it. And Something that I wish they would dive into a little more is like just the way that her boyfriend, the doctor, was so angry about it because I feel like that's such a common dynamic in heterosexual relationships at least that Mm -hmm. like – the woman might want to nip and tuck a couple things and the man is like so staunchly against that. And it's it's just such a weird thing to run into because – you, no one really talks about it and I don't know it's it's just it's interesting to me yeah you're right because I couldn't tell with him was it like oh he's a doctor and he's really particular about medical procedures or do when is there a thing for certain straight men when their partner or wife or whatever or girlfriend does that do they think oh she's doing that for somebody else she's gonna leave me like is it an insecurity thing like it's it's you're right it's definitely it's definitely something that they could go back to like I wouldn't be mad if they went into that again yeah like I think it is an insecurity thing maybe and I think it's also just like men have this really warped ideal of how much effort women are supposed to put in versus what they're supposed to look like it's like oh you're supposed to look perfect but I'm not supposed to ever see the work or know about the work and it's like okay, well, what if I told you that Marilyn Monroe had a nose job and like every single actress that you've ever thought was pretty has had plastic surgery, you know? Like, I think there's just, it's just a, it's just a thing that straight men need to get over. Yeah, or even like, I like girls who don't wear too much makeup and they point out a girl they're like, and you're like, she's wearing tons of no makeup makeup. Like, it's fine. It's not a bad thing, but it's like, she's not not wearing makeup. Right, exactly. It's... But also I think that might have something to do with like like stri- I I think straight men are like T-Rexes where like they can't see something unless it's moving. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they just don't have the same Don't move, you'll scare the straight men. Yeah, like they don't have the same visual capacity for taking in detail. Like I have blonde eyelashes and eyebrows. So over quarantine, I couldn't get my eyebrows or lashes tinted and I was like feeling so disgusting every day because I would wake up with no makeup on and just look in the mirror and see like a naked mole rat. And like (laughs) my fiance one day we were like going to Sainsbury's or something and I was like, oh, let me put some makeup on. I just feel gross. And he was like, oh, you don't have makeup on? And I was like, what? 
Like, <laughs> I look like a completely different person without it. Like, any woman would be like, oh, like, you don't have makeup on. But he just was like, oh, I didn't even know. I just, I don't know. I feel like something in our brains is just different. I love that. He's like, oh, you're not wearing makeup. Oh, my God, that is so funny. Um, Okay, so New Jersey is... A show you love, but you also are a Housewives in New York fan. So we've lots to discuss here. I want to, you said you were watching the new season. Yes. Um, this new season has been, this season has been a journey. Not always a good journey, but it's been a journey. How do you feel about this season and what changes may or may not need to happen? I find it really interesting this season. I am enjoying watching it. I love Ebony. I think she's awesome and like really good at reality TV. Um, I want her to stay forever. The The exposure that Ramona and Luann's, let's say, racial and anti-Semitic blind spots is getting is mm-hmm. really interesting to me because I just don't really feel like we've seen this play out on a reality show before. And it's life and it's real. And I think a lot of people who are watching these shows probably know people who are like them and it might be making those people question the way that they deal with the the older women in their life who might be like holding those opinions. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, because I I feel like like Ramona's insane levels of white fragility, where if anyone talks about anything race or religion related, she has to slide in there and prove why she is also a victim. It's so insane. And to watch it play out like that, you know, everyone last summer was sharing all the infographics and like the reading lists. And, and, you know, I think the people who are actually either have a little bit of racism left over in them or they have family members who might be racist. I don't think those people are reading the the infographics <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I feel like Ramona's Instagram experience last year was probably vastly different to some of us but yeah yeah I exactly so like what just watching her go through the motions of this behavior I think is going to be very educational for people to be like oh shit do I do that oh yeah and like I, that's why I think there is value to having it on the show yeah you've hit on something very interesting where I, I think the energy this season is off because there's too few women and it's clearly COVID times and they're filming. I don't, the more serious topics coming up, I have, I'm actually here for because I think mm-hmm. it's, as you say, because the shows are, obviously said in a version of real life, even though it's maybe not our reality sometimes. Um, I like seeing them grapple with it, but it's also wild because the lack of even just common sense from Ramona around that she's not able to just say, Ebony, you and I are from a different generation and I talk about this stuff differently. I'm going to try and listen and do my best, but I, we may not agree. The way she has to get up and turn it into like a literal song and dance mm-hmm. and a Ramona moment is, at first you're like, it's almost darkly hilarious. And then you're like, this is so wild. You are you are actually blocking the show from moving forward because you cannot just like say, oh yeah, whatever, cool. And then keep going. Whereas on, I know you don't watch Beverly Hills, but in Beverly Hills, they've had tricky conversations and people have come off looking good or bad but they've been able to have the conversation mm-hmm. like Ramona just Ramona stops it dead in a way that I'm like baffled by even though I shouldn't be baffled by anything she does at this point yeah it's just really confusing it's like why are you so wedded to this narrative that you also have suffered in the same way that like a black person has suffered because you just haven't like you truly haven't and something else really funny I feel like I feel like one of the 
key hallmarks of a good housewife is a lack of self-awareness because when they become too self-aware, they start to self-produce and it's not as fun. And like Ramona is so unself-aware. I was watching, you know, that clip from the season when Aviva was on the show and Ramona and Sonia are Googling what white trash is. Yes, it's a classic. It's yeah, yeah. So oh, good. I guess we're white trash. <laughs> yeah. And Sonia even there shows glimmers of being less of an asshole. She's like, there's nothing wrong with being poor and white. Like she says that while Ramona's like, we're not poor. We're not poor. But then Ramona in in one breath, she says, we're not poor. And I've and she says, I've never been poor. And then in the next breath, she's like, I worked myself up from nothing. And it's like, okay, which is it? Because they can't both be true. Like – yeah. Either you have had this hard scrabble rough life or you have always had a silver spoon in your mouth. Like it, it's not you can't be claiming both ty- like types of stories for yourself. It's just very confusing and it's like definitely a personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think like do you think that Ramona or Luan could be let go next season? There have been I mean, I think some of the journalism and reporting that's come out of this season has felt very overblown and inaccurate, but there does seem to be a sense from the audience at least that like somebody might have to step down this season. Right. I mean, I, in my dream world, it would just be like two or three new girls joining all of them, you know, and mm-hmm. like not get rid of anyone because I just love the idea of like Ramona, Luann and Sonia riding off into the sunset together on my television because there are no, there's no representation of women that age in entertainment unless they're like a news anchor who's like been on for decades do you know what I mean so yeah I I just I don't want them to go Luann's been pretty boring this season I gotta say but I feel like the Tom era was so incredible that she deserves at least a couple more shots (laughs) (laughs) yeah the Tom era that is one way of putting it yeah and yeah I don't know Ramona Ramona and Ebony have had some really like tender nice moments together um, which I really have loved to see. But I think the the main reason for getting rid of Ramona is it's, it must be so exhausting for people of color in the audience to watch her do this every week. Because it's like on the one hand, it is very educational for people who aren't as up on, you know, anti-racism and everything. But for the people who already have to deal with racism every day, this has probably ruined the one break they get each day from de- watching that. Do you know what I mean? Like, because Ramona yeah. sucks so bad. So that that I think would be one reason to get rid of her. But I, I would just love to see her evolve, even though I know that's insane because she literally never has. She evolves from bangs to no bangs and back again. That's like her only <laughs> – that's it. So, so, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think either of them, either of them should go? I haven't seen this week's episode where apparently she's even worse than she was the Black Shabbat kind of the first half, I guess, of that of how much we saw of it last week. So just so like as in, so maybe she's even worse this week and it would make me change my mind. But I, I kind of do think Ramona could be phased out because I feel like Luan, Luan and Sonia, I think you could make some new women with Ramona. I'm just kind of I feel like we are circling the same story over and over. And it's like. Listen, I'm not naive to the fact that we're watching a show with a lot of conservative women in every city. And we're, we're talking about two shows that definitely have mm-hmm. significant cast members who lean right. Like, I'm not of the opinion, like, they can't be Republican and be on the show. I'm like, fine, it's about rich women, often rich white women. Like, if we're going to go into that space, 
those people will be around even if they're Republican because of their wealth Mm -hmm. but Ramona I just feel like it's kind of like and she still has moments where she is TV gold I'm just like oh we've had the same beats from you for a while you're not you're not willing to play ball and not be mean-spirited and nasty to people on the cast it just doesn't feel fun anymore like Luan made me really uncomfortable in the Hamptons but I think she also was able to learn a little bit I'm like that's fine if someone is a bit overbearing and and has a moment where they don't get it and they actually try and learn that's one thing Ramona I'm just like she's never going to change so like also realistically they're paying her so much money that if she did leave I think it will be a win for the show financially they could probably bring in so many more people if she wasn't there but do you I feel like she'd take a pay cut if they asked her to too probably I mean she might do I could see her more than a Vicky or a Nini doing because they were rumored to be offered friend of for another season or come back and they kind of like and now Vicky did friend off for once her final season but I think turned it down again and Nini turned down friend off like I could see Ramona being into that but also it's better to just bail and maybe then and maybe have some glimmer of respect left I don't know it's but, but this is from the point of view of someone's self-awareness and as you very rightly pointed out these women do not have much self-awareness right like I saw I don't know why I was watching this but there was this really old watch what happens live episode with Luann and a British woman who was on Real Housewives of DC, I think. And it was around. Oh, yes. I can't remember her name, but I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was around. Oh, she. it was around the royal wedding. And maybe I was watching this as research for my, I do um, a royal podcast with Us Weekly every week as well. So maybe I was in some sort of rabbit hole and found that. I have no idea. But in the episode, Luann has just come out with her Countess Manners book and she's lecturing this woman on how to have manners. And it's the most cringe thing I've ever seen in my life, especially knowing what we know now about Luann, just the way that she put on that character and was so shameless about it. And just the whole Countess thing. It's like, we don't have titles in America. Like you're not a Countess. You just are not, you know, like you're an RN from upstate New York. So like she, I don't know. She, she also has just always been so delusional. I don't know. I I I want them to stay, but I, I just want more people to come in. There needs to be a lot more people. Yeah, yeah. The lack of, of bodies on the cast has been an issue because on other cities that filmed during COVID, they're getting away with a lot more because when they all bundle them off in a group event, there's six, seven, eight people at times. So it's like, Two people can pair off and have a conversation and something. Whereas I feel like even on Roni when they had the Black Shabbat and Leo's like, I'll come in on Zoom. I was like, oh my God, they have nobody. They have to have one of the cast members on Zoom. I know there was, and I know there's a ritual involved and she wanted to sing the song and it has a significance, of course. But like, it just felt like production going, Leo, we really need another person in the room. Like it just killed me. I was like, oh my God, they have no, they don't have people. I know. I was like, why am I watching someone on Zoom on my television? Like, this is not the way that things should be going. She should have just not come in on Zoom, I feel. Like, maybe come in for the song and that's it. But when she was, like, yelling at people and telling people to stop talking and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. I know. It was tough stuff. Um, You did an interview, actually, with Leah and her stylist, Phil Gomez, for Elle. I think it came out last year. Did it come out last year? Yes, Um, last summer. That was really... That was really interesting because it was obviously when Leah was fresh onto the show and she felt like this breath of fresh air. And there's some really interesting points in there about her style choices. So like, what was it like putting that piece together? And do you think that Leah is still having 
a moment on the show and with fashion in the same way now. It was so fun talking to her. She was so nice and really, really cool. And I actually came to the story through Phil, her stylist. He is an incredibly talented stylist. Like if you ever want to know what like Gen Z is wearing, just follow Phil Gomez on Instagram because he's ahead of everything. He's always so on top of it and he's so talented. So I had seen that he was uh, styling her. So I was like, oh, do you want to talk uh, about this for Elle? I was like, I had seen that my editor at Elle was a Leah fan. So I was like, maybe this could work. So mm-hmm. it worked out and it was really fun. She's really cool. Um, I really like how she's doing a lot more fun things with with style on the show and with fashion. I would love for the show to stay a mix of like the more outlandish New York fashion and the more laid back because like I I interviewed um the real bad fashions on Instagram on my podcast and we were talking yes. about how like in Beverly Hills they're always so dressed to the nines and how mm-hmm. in New York it's almost a little bit more of a serve to be a little more rumpled and not so yeah. put together like if you're if you're in New York and you're like fully perfect looking everyone's going to know you're from like Staten Island or New Jersey. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like London and I'm sure it's like similar in Dublin. Like whenever I go to like a different city in the UK, like if I go to Liverpool or Manchester or Belfast, like all the girls are in like stilettos with their hair done perfectly in a full contour and I love it. Like it's so yes. fun, but no one does that in New York or London. Like if you do that in New York or London, it's everyone knows you're from out of town. So I I kind of I don't want the show to be elevated fashion-wise too much because it wouldn't be authentic, but I think Leah's style is so fun and interesting and it's always really fun to shoot, see what she's wearing. So I I I just don't want it to be the thing like everyone says when Erica Jane joined Beverly Hills, everyone up to their ante style-wise. And I, I wouldn't want people to do that. I want them to stay themselves, but yeah, I, I love Leah's style still. It's fun. How do you think um, Leah is faring on her second season on the show? Because when I was reading your piece, it was so interesting to hear the logic behind the fashion choices, but also it was funny because the tone of it was like, she's a breath of fresh air, which she was, but now I feel like there is sort of a mixed response to her, which is inevitable, I think, for any second season housewife. I guess the I don't know why I think in the beginning part of this season people were getting a little bit annoyed because I think she was just having a lot of different outbursts and mm-hmm. people were a little over that and sort of starting drama. I loved that she came for Heather Thompson because I hate Heather Thompson. I know <laughs> I know everyone loved like Joe Gunn. Holla. Joe Gunn <laughs> called me out. He was like one time I told him I didn't like Heather and he was like, Wow, the taste. And I was like God, yeah, what, what a drag. <laughs> Do you like Heather Thompson? I, I can't stand her. I kind of, I go back and forth. I I was excited to see her come back because I thought she would be a bridge between Ebony and Leah, who are younger, and the other women who she has known for longer. But she just came off very patronizing and, I don't know. I mean, I do wonder if she got a bit of a, a bad edit because it seems that the women decided they didn't want her around before she even arrived. So I wonder, did that factor in? But like, she kind of showed her ass so many times. And even that watch, I don't know if you saw the watch, what happens live, oh where she read it. The apology, it was like, 
I was like, I get that you think this is the good thing to do, but it's it's just very heavy handed. So yeah, I yeah, in a way, yeah, I don't know. Not I'm not a fan, but I I just <laughs> I just love the way you're like. I just don't like her. Yeah, she's like really <laughs> probably my least favorite New York housewife ever because I just mm-hmm. didn't like how she was always trying to stage manage everyone, and she just reminds me of that girl who's the self proclaimed mom of the friend group, and and I'm just <laughs> yes. like, there's no mom. Like we're friends. You don't need to be the mom like just stop like when they were in the Berkshires and and she was like Bethany are you gonna eat this are you gonna eat that and Bethany was like can you like get out of my ass it's just I just know that in real life I would be infuriated by her and her insistence on talking about how she was friends with Puff and like how she knows Beyonce and all that stuff and then she goes on and calls Ebony articulate. It's like, oh my God, oh. you're so embarrassing. You are just so embarrassing. Yeah, and it's all, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I loved Leah for for taking that on because I was like, no, this will not become the Heather show again. Because I think Heather, snoo- Heather tries to swoop in when Bethany leaves mm-hmm. and tries to become the new Bethany. And she's not the new Bethany. She will never be the new Bethany. So it was good to see that sort of nipped in the bud by Leah. Yeah, I also, it's funny you say that thing about Heather mentioned Beyonce because I feel like particularly in the last nearly 10 years of Beyonce's career with Parkwood Entertainment and everything, like the real thing now is if you work with Beyonce, you don't say a fucking thing because you are, A, you're NDA'd out your eyeballs, Mm. but B, you know that she respects the people who don't use you for clout. So she, if you're in the Beyonce inner circle, it's only ever alluded to you would never like yeah i work with beyonce you would never say it like you just wouldn't so i'm like heather you worked with beyonce then (laughs) you're not working with her now right (laughs) same with diddy like okay you worked with beyonce and diddy those are a plus list celebrities what are you doing on real housewives (laughs) i love real housewives but it's a different echelon you know like if you really had these great relationships with these like heavy hitters in the music industry you wouldn't be doing this, showing off yummy, yummy tummy. Ugh, I hate that so much. I, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We need you on Housewives in New York. I think this is what we're learning today. Oh my God, um, I would die. I would die to be on Real Housewives. I think I've talked about it too much publicly. Like I have so many hours of different podcasts of me like analyzing the show in granular detail. They would never let me on. But I would, oh my God, I, I would fucking love it. That'd be so fun. Um, so you mentioned, so like Bethany, for example, like, do we want Bethany back? We kind of mentioned her there in relation to Heather. Like, do we want Bethany to come back? How do you feel about Bethany? Because she's one of those people, I think on the show, she can be great, but outside of the show, she's exhausting. Yes. Oh my God. I love like analyzing Bethany. She's so interesting to me because mm-hmm. yeah, she was this real woman of the people in her first few seasons. And now she's become the alpha. And the thing that's really interesting about her to me is that none of her own – she has very strict rules for how people need to behave in her presence Mm -hmm. and in general. And she follows none of those rules. Like whenever you rewatch the the seasons when she came back the second time around, she's really good at stirring up the drama. Like you can tell that she is sort of – you know, she's a Scorpio. So she's stinging from behind constantly. You can see her sort of – the cogs turning in her head and deciding, okay, this is going to last three episodes. Then I'm going to turn it like this. That'll be the next story beat in me versus Sonia over the cheater brand. You know what I mean? But then she, she just, she makes these proclamations. Like if you do this, that's wrong. And then she turns around and always does the same thing like minutes later. So that really bothers me. And I also like her podcast about 
secrets of of like making it in the business world. You know, I listen to it sometimes and I I like it sometimes, but it's just she she refuses to admit that like luck and family money have something to do with success. Like she's this real psycho meritocracy person. Do you know what I mean? She she's yeah. almost like a she's almost like a Donald Trump figure to me in a way. Like as she's gotten more and more successful, she's she plays a businesswoman on TV. You know, like her companies that she has in that show, The Big Shot, which I couldn't even finish watching. Oh my god, it was it was crazy. I did finish it, but it was crazy. Yeah, she has three employees. It's like okay, this is all the proof we need that like you are licensing your name to products. Like you don't have a team like building products. You're you're literally Donald Trump. You're like, okay, you can slap my name on this lunch meat, you know? Like <laughs> and then she gets mad at she gets mad at Sonia for trying too many different things. It's like, Bethany, you all you do is talk about how like, oh, I'm in lunch meat now and now I'm in this category. I'm in 30 categories. And it's like, okay, but you're not actually making any of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're not making that. You are not whittling down that ham off the hawk yourself. Someone else is. <laughs> right. But I mean, she like the, you know, the the skinny girl margarita branding was absolutely genius. She hit, she struck gold there. And like, you can't take that away from her. But now all the other things like the skinny girl denim, the skinny girl this, the skinny girl popcorn. It's just like, okay, you're just putting your name on things. It's not a new, it's not a new product, you know? There was this story that she did with New York Mag like years ago. And she talks about how she she had such a hard scrabble life you know, she loves talking about how she grew up at the racetrack and like her dad's, the men who raised her <laughs> yeah. and her mom were clearly, she clearly had a rough upbringing in terms of like her parents, but she also like yeah. went to the best schools in the country and had a lot of money and she doesn't seem to understand how that benefited her. Like she did this interview with New York Mag where she's talking about how when she first moved to New York in her twenties, she only had $8,000 in her bank account. And I'm like, bitch, What? No one in New York has $8,000 in their bank account. Like, that's yeah. so much money. I never had $8,000 in my bank account when I lived in New York. Like, that's a really nice amount of money to fall back on. You were not struggling, you know? And, like, she's trying to make it like it's this thing. Like, I don't know. It, you know, it is hard to build a business. But also, it's a lot harder when you don't have family money, you know? Yeah, for sure. I know she's, she's. I mean, she's a, a bullshitter, which is good for TV. But sometimes I'm like Bethany, a, a business mogul. You are not. Anyway, hopefully she'll never listen to this. She'll kill me. Oh yeah. Well, um, that's the thing. She. That's why I say she's Trump 2.0. She is like true, and she never said a bad word about Trump. If you watch the, um, because you know she got her start on Martha Stewart's Apprentice, and if you watch that season yeah. with Carol being so obsessed with Hillary versus Trump, she never takes a side ever, which is really interesting to me. You mentioned astrology, which I want to get back to, but just in terms of New York, when I was just setting this up with you, you mentioned in passing that you've had some run-ins, mm. some sightings of the New York ladies when you lived there. Please tell us who you saw and what happened. Okay, so uh, first one ever was Ramona. So I was interviewing, I worked at the New York Observer and I was doing a lot of like society coverage, which was so fun because I would just be wearing mm-hmm. like this disgusting H&M sweater and like fake Doc Martens and going to these like exclusive events and I couldn't even afford lunch. <laughs> it was it was wild. So I was asked to interview this socialite 
Yaz Hernandez. And she is so iconic. Like, I'm sure that Bravo has tried to get her on Real Housewives. She's actually appeared in the background in a few episodes. I've seen her. She's this Puerto Rican-American, like, full-on, super-rich, like, society matron. And I was supposed to interview her about how much it takes to get ready for a charity luncheon. And if it's still online on The Observer if anyone's interested in reading it. So we went to this restaurant um, on the Upper East Side. I forget which one it was called, but we were sitting there. She didn't eat a single thing, but she like – I think she ate like one like piece of lettuce and she could tell I was starving <laughs> and poor and she was like, you can order French fries. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I think she <laughs> – Thanks, yeah. Yeah, she ordered them and she was like, you can ha- – we'll split them. And I was like, thank God. So I was sitting there talking to Yaz and I guess Ramona saw and she – you know, divined that I was a reporter. So Ramona came up to the table (laughs) because like, of course she needs to get any mention that she can whatsoever. So Ramona came up to the table and she was like, who's this? Who's this? Who are you talking to? What are you doing? And then like, (laughs) she gave me like a really classic Ramona backhanded compliment. She was like, oh, you're very pretty, but in a natural way. You're very natural. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I can actually see her saying that to you. Oh my God. I was like, not natural. Oh, no. In a natural way. So that was my Ramona run-in. Oh, my God. That's great. That's a good one. Yeah. And honestly, like, Yaz, I wish Yaz would go on the show. She was a really cool lady. And she is the real deal. She is, like, a genuine old school New York society. Like, that's why I think they've probably asked her and she said no. Because it's, like, truly beneath her, you know. Yes, I do. Yeah, I get the impression there's a certain level of New York City socialite slash wealth that it's actually too wealthy to ever do the show. They're like, oh, how day class A, whereas the women we get are like, I'll do it. Right, right. Like Tinsley's ex-husband, if she was still with Topper Mortimer, she never would have done the show. Like that's why they got a divorce because she wanted to do stuff like that. And like that's the echelon, yeah, that they will like never, ever get into. So so that was my Ramona uh, run. And also I'll tell you the embarrassing one that happened earlier this year I was I was in New York and like me and two of my friends um it was like right when everything was starting to open up again and we were like Mm -hmm. let's go on like an Upper East Side Real Housewives bar crawl so we went to (gasps) first we went to Sonia's townhouse which we got there and we were like this is really weird that we're doing this (laughs) (laughs) you're just turning outside like oh wait we're just standing outside her house and there was like a bottle of fiji water on the table and i was like oh this is like really someone's house this is creepy that i'm here then we went to the regency which is truly a block away wow and as we were walking up to the regency we saw harry dubin standing outside the regency he he was just standing (gasps) there like a lighthouse (laughs) and i was like you guys harry it's harry and they were like what and they saw and we were like holy shit so then we went inside um and it's really not that cool it's not that nice at all and ramona was there with like two friends and they were sitting at oh my god yeah they were sitting at the corner bar or i was in the bathroom and and like my friend jen texted me and she was like ramona's here and i was like no so then when, when i got out we just kept sitting for a little bit and then when ramona walked by i was like Ramona, we love you. And she was like, oh, thank you, and kept walking. (laughs) (laughs) She said, thanks, doll, and just kept it pushing. Yeah, she was like, she was like, I don't have time for the little people. So that was really fun. So if you go to the Regency, like, you'll definitely see Harry Dubin, anyone that's listening, and maybe some other people, if you're a stalker like me. 
<laughs> it, it was probably something I never would have done if it wasn't for COVID. But because I had been watching Real Housewives for months on end, I was like, this seems like a normal thing to do. Like, this is my life. This is the only thing I think about or look at. And then I, I met Sonia once at an event. <gasps> yeah. So it was also when I was at The Observer. I, again, mm-hmm. didn't have enough money for food. So I got invited to, like, cover a restaurant opening. And I was like, okay, I'll just go and eat the free food. <laughs> Obviously, So yes. I went there and I was like, God, what am I going to write about this? How the hell am I going to turn this into a story? Because I was like, I want the PR people to still like – it was David Burke. They go to his restaurants all the time. So I was like, yes. I, I really want to stay on the David Burke people's good side. But like I, I don't know what I'm going to write about this. And then Sonia walks in with like an intern – and this guy named Montgomery Fraser, image guru. That's what he called himself. Oh. He said, I'm oh, wow. I'm Montgomery <laughs> Fraser, image guru. And <laughs> all, all one word. Yeah. And so I was like, Sonia, can I interview you for the New York Observer? And she was like, of course. So we went outside to the garden and she just talked to me for like, she talked to me about her toaster oven, Caberlesque. She just talked forever. And she said a lot of crazy things. So I was like, I don't want to be accused of taking anything out of context. So I basically ended up printing the whole entire interview. So there's basically <laughs> oh a transcription of that on the New York Observer website. And then Sonia, because this was, I think later on it came up that Sonia just loves any press and she like calls page six all the time. So I didn't need to even be worried at all. And I was really scared that she wasn't going to like the interview. So like a month later, she tweeted, oh, wow, love this interview in the New York Observer of me. And like, it was even like three months later. And I was like, okay. And then the guy, Montgomery Fraser, image guru, he got really mad and tweeted all these things that I misquoted him and blah, 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 which people always do when they when they get accurately quoted, so. Oh my God, that's iconic. And I, I wanna say you had a Dorinda run in, but I don't know if that's accurate. Oh yeah, I did. I interviewed Dorinda when I was at Galore. Um, why, what was that? I, I knew a guy I've had like been Twitter mutuals for a while with a guy who was doing her PR for a bit. And, um, it was, I forget what venue it was at, but yeah, I I sat down and interviewed her and she was so nice and so warm. I mean, they've all been like Ramona obviously was really awkward and weird, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, which is kind of what you expect. Yeah, but like Sonia, Dorinda, so Leah, so, so nice. And Dorinda, especially just warm. You just meet her and you're like, she's like one of your mom's friends. Do you know what I mean? Who you've just known forever. And she she was really nice. And John was there too. So obviously on your podcast, you delve into celebrity culture and you have, as you mentioned, there are podcasts about the royal family as well. But on Space Trash, like astrology plays a huge role. So I'm so curious if you've ever looked into the astrology of housewives or like are there housewives you love to have certain signs? Like have you ever delved into how astrology and housewives may align? Yes. So my co-host, Sarah Armour, she does this thing called the Moonule. It's a moon ritual on Zoom with comedy and stuff every two weeks. And on that, I always do a slideshow of how each sign relates to celebrity culture in order to get people to understand what the signs are. So I've been through all of those signs now by this point, and I've found such interesting things about astrology and reality TV. Like for instance, Taurus, 
you would think a to- what what is your sign actually and how much do you know or care about astrology so i'm a virgo with the same birthday as beyonce and mark ronson <gasps> so i'm like one of those people who like I would be a little bit cynical of like, uh, you know, your daily horoscope says, you you know, the sun in the fifth house will mean you'll make a lot of money today. But I find the personality analysis of Virgo like freakishly accurate for me. So like, I'm not great with so- the, so Virgo is like, I guess my rising sign then. Is that what they say? Uh, that would be your sun probably. Yeah. So my sun sign. So like, I'm good with that stuff. The rising, the other thing and all like the complexities, I'm a little bit lost on, but I'm very interested in it. I mean, I'm sure some people think this is all like BS, but I am interested in it because I find personality wise it's often very accurate or it has been in my hyper Virgo existence which you can imagine is very analytical yeah so that is exactly what I like about astrology I use it as a tool for analysis and storytelling and understanding things it's not like set in stone it's not a science yes obviously and people who get really bent out of shape about it are really annoying to me because like people who are like oh it's so stupid why would you care and I'm like because it's it's just stories. It's just storytelling. Yes. And it's just, yeah. and it's analysis. And I'm an English major and I'm like a writer. So I really like any sort of prism to analyze things through. And if you don't want to take it seriously, you don't have to take it seriously. So the funny thing about Virgos is they are pretty <gasps> ill-suited to reality stardom. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, that tracks. I don't think I could ever do housewives. Yeah. Like <laughs> for many reasons. Like you said, with like Mark Ronson and Beyonce, they are like workhorses. Like they are going to wake up in the morning and do what they they're going to work on their craft all day long, and like that doesn't lend itself well to reality TV because you can't work on the craft of reality TV. You know, like you, there's a craft yeah, behind yeah. like being an influencer, and like yeah, Bethany I think is someone who's mastered the craft of reality TV, but. Like overall, if your personality is like meticulous, reality TV is not the way to go. But Nicole Richie and Lisa Vanderpump are both Virgos. So they're, but they're like, yes, they're basically the only ones, you know, that are like bold faced name reality stars. Yeah. The biggest ones are Scorpio, because that's Bethany and also Ramona. So, like, I feel like a Scorpio is a great match for reality TV because. Like, my fiancé is a double Scorpio, so I love Scorpios. They just, like, I don't know. They're just always playing 3D chess even if they don't realize it. And they very often don't realize it. Like, Ramona is always going to stir up drama around her in a completely unself-aware way, whereas Bethany is stirring it up in in a totally aware way. So they love the, like, the stinger from behind. The singer stinger with Ramona. Like, that's Scorpio. Yeah. You know? And Ramona, she gets you when you least expect it. She's not, like, like an Aries is like symbolized by a ram. So they're the kind of person who just come out with it. So Courtney yes. Courtney Kardashian is an Aries. Uh Vicky Gunvalson yes. is an Aries. Yes. They just fucking okay. say it and then they like deal with the con- they don't even deal with the consequences. They're just like what do you mean it- your feelings are hurt like what are you a bitch you know <laughs> so yeah because when i think of it's not like the Kardashians is a show that i've dipped in and out of like i don't watch it religiously but i've always found no way Courtney will just be like Kim you're a fucking idiot. Don't speak to me. I'm leaving this family forever. And then just, well, and they're all like, where did that come from? Like, oh my God, it that is was like a full such on... a good Courtney voice. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Molly, you're just like so rude. And I'm going. I'm just leaving. Like, the way she, I always found that so interesting on that show, particularly as they became more famous, she became more and more. Like, it was actually, 
I'm seeing the visual of the ram, her almost like butting her head going, I fucking hate this. Yeah. I fucking hate this. I won't do it. Like it's that's a great I never thought of it. She's that just way. mean to everyone. Like if if you yeah. <laughs> don't have a really thick skin, like it's really hard to hang out with an Aries because they just say it and they truly don't understand why your feelings are hurt. Like they don't get it. They're just like, Well, I'm just telling you. And it's like, yeah, but like just keep it inside. <laughs> So what are other kind of um, astrological signs that have appeared in the reality world? Okay, so Aquarius is a big one. So I'm going to read you the list. Paris Hilton, Gemma Collins, Kenya Moore. (gasps) The JC. Yeah, Colton Underwood, Lauren Conrad, Omarosa, Denise Richards. So Aquarius is, isn't that an insane lineup? Aquarius. Yes, I was going to say, what a crazy list. (laughs) Aquarius is the water bearer. So if you think about it, like like it's like a lady that's carrying a giant thing of water. So the water is all the rest of us. And Aquarius is sort of the bird's eye view. Like the age of Aquarius, people think of that as like a really loving thing, but it's not really. It's just more of a someone up above keeping everything in harmony or controlling it. So like if you look at Paris Hilton, Gemma Collins, Lauren Conrad, Omarosa. These are people who started in reality TV and got a bird's eye view of what their place is on the show that they're in. Yes. And then they exploited the shit out of that to become way more rich and powerful than any of their co-stars. You know, like Omarosa, like if there's going to be a reality TV person in the White House, it's going to be an Aquarius because they are so big picture to the point where they're a little bit like sociopathic. (laughs) If that makes sense. It's it's funny that you mentioned Gemma Collins and Paris Hilton because I feel like so much of their public persona and how they talk with themselves in their press interviews now is, oh, it's all an act. This is the character right. I play. And they also switch in and out of that character in those interviews. And then when they're doing TV, so Gemma Collins is like, oh, that's the GC. But then whenever she's interviewed, every journalist is like, well, she was half the GC for this interview. Or Paris Hilton and the baby voice. And then the, I actually talk like this, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's all not. But then half the time she's like, hey, Gwarge. So it's like, which is it? Like, you know, so yeah, that's such a, a God, I'd never thought of that way. But that makes so much, this is the side of astrology I really like, you know, the kind of overview and how it connects to personality right it's just fun it's just like a fun way of like decoding people's actions and and seeing like why they're doing what they're doing so gemini is an interesting one because gemini is known for being sort of like the very socio crazy sign uh but there's really not that many gemini reality stars and i don't really know why like two of the big ones are just scott disick and kendra wilkinson and i don't know if it's just because Gemini is like almost too like analytical. I I don't know. I don't get it. Um, A lot of like people in politics are Geminis. So it's very weird. I think it might have something to do with like with Geminis and Libras. I feel like they can sort of equivocate almost in a way that can be not great for reality TV where they won't really take a side because they can justify anything to themselves. So, So I don't know why that one's not a big one. But one that is big that is funny is Taurus. Like Teresa Giudice is a Taurus. Is she? Yeah. Wow. And I feel like most Taurus, most Taurus reality people don't have staying power. And the reason why Teresa does is because she literally is just a bull in a China shop. Like everywhere she, cause Taurus is the bull. Teresa yeah. has no concept of, you know, a 
BC two plus two equals four. She she just like <laughs> cause yeah, and that's e- true. cause and effect. <laughs> like she doesn't know. She's just like letting it all hang out wherever she goes. And every room she walks into, she's just like gonna, you know, gore someone and be like, what? So that's why she's yeah. like a good Taurus reality show. Charlotte Crosby is also a Taurus, which I think is a similar thing. Like they're not on these shows because they're so good at creating conflict and mediating conflict. They're on it because they create conflict just by like being themselves, you know. And Luann is also a Taurus, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, because Luann seems a little bit more measured. But then in a way, when you think of the chaos that has swirled around her at her peak on these shows, mm-hmm. it's when she's just uninhibited, like, I'm getting married. Can you believe it? Like, I'm doing cabaret. Like, there is there is that kind of chaos around Luann sometimes as well. Right. Yeah, she that's true. And she must have something in her chart that causes her to sort of like put this mask on of like refinement. And it's like, no, you get so drunk that you fall into bushes. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're like, at the end of the day, you fall in the bush. Yeah. Okay, that's so, oh my God, that's so, I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but that is fascinating. Um, So I love asking people this question. And you said something earlier about, I think fashionally that I felt like would be a perfect fit for this. But I'm so curious what your housewife's tagline would be and why. Oh wait, I ha- I have one. It was because because I moved to London. Yes, it was, yes. I may have a case of the Madonnas, but there's nothing like a virgin about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question I always love asking guests: This one is, you're throwing a housewives dinner party tomorrow. You can have five people over. They can be housewives, friends off, hangers on, husbands, whoever. What five people are we having over, and why? I'm gonna have Frank Catania. And and Dolores, I'll have that, both of them. I think I would have – well, the thing is, like, if I want it to be actual – can I do two versions? Can I do, like, one <laughs> for people that I actually want to be friends with and one f- that's just chaos? Okay, so, yeah, okay. let's do people you want to be friends with dinner. That's part one. So who's coming to friends dinner? Okay, friends dinner is Frank, Dolores, Leah, Ebony, and – Lisa Rinna. I don't know why. I just love her. <laughs> That's like, good. And Lisa Rinna, yeah. Go yeah, ahead, no, like I said, I don't keep up on Beverly Hills, but whenever I do watch it, I just really like her and I love Harry Hamlin and like I love them together. So I think that would be my friend one. And also then I feel like Lisa's got the friend element, but she has the chaos, which would lead you to your part two chaos dinner. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, for chaos dinner, I'm Danielle Staub <laughs> at right, right out the gate. <laughs> Um, Nini Leakes. Okay. Bethany. Not Carol, because I do like Carol, but I don't think she'd be chaotic enough. Who do I have? True. Nini, Danielle, Bethany, and then Jacqueline's daughter, who pulled Danielle's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Love and light, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. She was crazy. And I'll do another New York girl for number five. Who's someone from New York that I liked that like? Oh, Dorinda. I look. I love Dor. I love Dorinda. Do you want Dorinda to come back? Um, I I think I do. The rumor is she's going to do the second Housewives All Stars mashup thing, and I've been told from a fairly reliable source that it's going to be happening at Bluestone Manor. So I'm like, is that their way of testing her out? on Peacock with a different bunch of women and then seeing how she would mix. I don't know. See, I think I do. I, I think if she's done a little like self-reflection, then I'm like, sure, throw her back in the mix. Because I, I want to see my New York Isles at Bluestone Manor, I think, and the Berkshires. We deserve. I know. I know. I Because part of me is like, I want her back and I would like to see Bethany back. But then the other part of me is like, there are so many 
crazy ass women in New York, like there's no need to retread with older people, with yeah. past people. But I also, I don't see anything wrong with having like an eight member cast. I think they're the best when that happens. You mentioned there, so you watch Housewives in New Jersey, you watch New York, you tried a bit of Salt Lake City, you dip into Beverly Hills. Is there somewhere you're going to go next on your Real Housewives journey? Like maybe trying out a city you've never watched. Are you going to rewatch New York or New Jersey again? I will keep rewatching New York and New Jersey until the end of time. But I think I'm probably going to go into Potomac next because <gasps> I've never even seen a minute of Potomac. I've seen a lot of Atlanta too. But like I just – I don't know. Like the last season I tried to dip back into Atlanta, but it just seemed like none of them were actually friends with each other anymore. So – I, mm. I like it when the ladies are really friends, you know, and I've heard that in Potomac, they are genuinely friends who have a reason to be hanging out besides just filming. So I think, and yeah. it's also a relatively new one, so I can actually catch up on it. So yeah, I, I, I need to get into Potomac. I've been trying to do that. And before we wrap up, um, where can people find you and your work online? Because there's multiple podcasters writing, so do let us know where we can find oh, you. Oh, okay. So... My Twitter and Instagram is at Molly Mulshine. My podcast is Space Trash Lifestyles of the Rich and Uranus. And it's a very lighthearted look at pop culture and politics through the lens of astrology. And I also have a new comedy album with a single called I'm a Horse Girl, Bitch. And it's about (laughs) it's about being a horse girl. And so I'm going to make a music video for it soon with my my collaborators. Um, if anyone has a horse, let me know. <laughs> if you have a horse in the London yeah. area, that you'd be willing to break down video shoot. So are you, do you feel like Countess Luan vibes now as you go to film this music video? Like, is that the energy you're going to be channeling? Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely feel <laughs> Countess Luan, but I also feel like I, I don't know anything about Erica Jean's music career, but... From what I understand, I think the level of like mid 2000s camp that I'm channeling is a little more her. Whereas with Luann, yeah. it's more like 80s, 90s ballroom scene. So I think, yeah, I, I think it's like a hybrid, I would say, of like Luann, Erica, and like the worst auto tune Gwen Stefani raps. <laughs> You're also ahead of Luann in the sense that she recorded a video for a song she wasn't putting out for over a year, whereas you have at least released the song and then we'll release the video to accompany it. So you've probably outdone Luann in that sense. I know. What is with that Christmas song? I'm excited, <laughs> but it's making me so confused. Also, because it's been so cold in this part of the world all summer and I'm watching them film a Christmas video and I'm like, wait, is it Christmas? Like, what is happening? <laughs> I loved as well how she was like, no, ladies, oh, this song is going to come out next year. And they were like, oh, OK, cool. So we're filming it like Christmas 2020 and it might never come out. Like, awesome. yeah, <laughs> this is so stupid. Also, Leah has raised such a good point with the contract. At first, I was like, why does she care about this? And then I was like, oh my God, there is no way that Luann is donating all of these proceeds to charity. I'm sorry. And like they never said exactly what percentage it's going to be. I think she was sort of pulling mm-hmm. a fast one with that because why would Luann donate the proceeds to charity? She's not that rich. Like she bought that. I loved that square, that circle house in upstate New York, but like, you know, she's not <laughs> like like Lisa Vanderpump over here. So I don't think she's really in a position to be donating 100% of the proceeds of anything she does to charity. I also, I mean, this is slightly controversial, but sometimes 
when people who don't who aren't going to sell a lot of records shall we say go this song is raising proceeds for charity I'm like with all due respect like the proceeds are minimal like if Luann said I'm going to do a two night stand at 54 below New York and all the proceeds are going to charity she'd probably give a hefty check first of all but also it would be like 12 million times the money the song would actually make do you yes. know what I mean? like, not to be rude but you know what yeah, I mean yeah it's so true it really just does look like you know a very virtue signaling atten- like not attention grab but yeah it's a, it's a little sleight of hand to make it a little more it, and it she probably wouldn't be doing it if she wasn't asking the girls to collaborate like I think that's her out yeah. that is actually how she's getting out of oh it's for charity yeah like oh, not paying them because <laughs> And I love how they always make it a storyline that Luann doesn't pay people. It's so funny that they do that. It's so bitchy and hilarious. It is. Well, listen, I I wish you every Candice Luann, Erica Jane success with your uh, forthcoming music video. Thank you so much. And I really hope uh, that people will listen to Horse Girl because I really need it to go viral and it's not happening. So. <laughs> we we need to make this a tiktok smash that is yes, our goal i will donate the proceeds to charity no i definitely won't i will donate the proceeds to myself if it goes viral so <laughs> charity start charity starts at home um <laughs> molly this has been a wild ride we have covered two very iconic housewife cities we have gotten into astrology we have found out that you are a pop star in the making mm-hmm. thank you very much for coming on housewives and me oh my god thank you so much for having me i this was so much fun i love talking about the housewives it's the best that was molly Milshine here on housewives and me you can check out her song horse girl i'll link to that in the show notes she is the co-host of the podcast space trash and she has lots of great writing out there as well and you can follow her on twitter we were chatting after the interview i followed molly like 10 years ago after a video she made went viral and i did a piece on it and we were saying how how random is it that we have like been on each other's twitter feed for 10 years and this is the first time we're having a conversation that is the power of real housewives so go check out her podcast go check out her comedy she is a scream and she's she's got the sus on all things astrological so you know what i learned a lot this week if you liked what you heard today and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a rating and a review is much appreciated. You can see it as a birthday gift to me because it's your way of wishing me a happy birthday. So if you feel like doing that, you can do so there. You can find the podcast on social media at Housewives and Me for both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on those platforms as well. It's Connor Bean is my username. All those links are in the show notes as well. So with I'm off now to go and get ready for my birthday week. <laughs> well, it's not for a few days, but you know, it is this week. So until next time, stay safe. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.